It's a rock and roll bedtime stories bonus episode, and we do these when we have extra stuff to cover. Sometimes it's just news headlines. Sometimes it's uh, uh, we hit the mailbag. Today we have a bonus interview that is an addendum to a recent episode about Prince versus the symbol. We talked about how Prince in 1993 changed his name to a symbol that caused uh, journalists everywhere uh, to shake their heads, <laughs> among other things. And uh, we, we talked about this. One of the things we talked about was as much as like Prince sort of played it off like, oh, I had this vision in a, uh, in a dream of this symbol, like there was definitely professionals involved. And so in the research, there was a name that came up, Mitch Monson. Mitch Monson was one of the guys who worked with Prince's creative team to put this thing together. And there was a lot of detail that went into creating this symbol that Prince then took on as his moniker. So due to industrious Googling, I, ladies and gentlemen, Mitch Monson's on the show. Welcome to the show, Mitch. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brian. So this is what I'm really interested about. Uh, <laughs> you still look like you're about 30. So uh, <laughs> you you had to have been very young. 1993, this was pretty early in your career, right? Kind of, kind of paint what happened and, and how this came about. Thank you for the uh, kind words. I really appreciate that, first of all. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely, uh, I'll call myself seasoned today. How does that sound? Uh, but as far as, yeah, when it started, um, you know, at that point, we were only about two years into our company. I was in a partnership with uh, two other uh, professionals that were involved in kind of the editorial and the shooting side of the business. And I was on the design side. But it was really early on when we started the company. Um, I was 27 at the time. So it was really early on. And I think at that point in time, especially after going through that kind of experience, you just kind of wonder, what's next? What can get better than, than that? Right. I mean, that, that was sort of, I think when I read this, I was like, you, you clearly were really young and now I know no, no spoilers, but I know that you're on to big things. Still, you're still doing a lot of big things, working with big names. You, we actually moved the time of this interview because you're working with one of the biggest names in, in entertainment right now. Um, so it, things have, the answer to that question is things continue to be great, but it is, it is quite the precipice to start at. Now, are you from Minneapolis originally? Yeah, from Minneapolis originally. And, um, you know, this was after, you know, just kind of getting into the business and doing, um, you know, an early internship and even, um, an early contracting job with uh, a company in Minneapolis. I met one of my business partners and, you know, we started really early kind of, you know, bankrolled the company with our parents' money and anything else we could right scrape on. up from the banks. So to have, you know, for us, it's just such a um, a special, you know, moment in time in so many ways because because of you know this this relationship with Satara Cheddar, who is his creative director at the time, to get us you know folded in and our small company, which was located you know pretty close to Paisley Park. And, you know, they just gave us a shot to come in and do some editorial work and some design work um, once he started working on the, um, the seven album, um, which, you know, ended up being the Love Symbol album. And it just, yeah, it, it just totally changed our world. And I think, you know, I, and I'm sure you maybe read in that article or maybe another is that I think getting an opportunity to work with him and his team, it just, it just kind of transforms how you approach things. You know, you don't, you don't look at any of it the same anymore. And uh, I think, you know, we all have a different work ethic. We all get inspired differently. And I think you notice that when you talk to other alumni, you know, of, of people that have actually had the opportunity to work 
um, within that circle. So super grateful for it. And especially happening at that point in time, I'd never be, you know, I wouldn't be working in Hollywood now if it wasn't for that opportunity. So you mentioned that you were down the street from Paisley Park, like geographically yeah. located. This is something that has come up with things that I've read about Prince. He always sort of tried to bring it back to Minneapolis when he could in terms of the people that he worked with. Yeah. Yeah, actually. And it's a, a you know, a great, um, a, a great thing I think about his legacy, right. Is he, you know, he definitely, For sure. he lived out in Los Angeles and he had, you know, other, uh, other people that he was working with all around the world, but he always kind of brought in a fold of artists, you know, musicians, et cetera, that were in the Minneapolis area, always kind of giving them opportunities. And again, stuff as in our situation never would have happened anywhere else that I can think of where, you know, because of, because of that location and also his desire to, you know, work closely um, on stuff in Minneapolis, uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And I think, you know, we hear that from a lot of people It's like, and, and again, that's why the alumni part of it is so interesting, right? Because it just feels like it's, it's one of your own and it's somebody that really always saw a lot of value in, in keeping, you know, Minnesota talent involved. Yeah. Well, you know, we mentioned on the uh, parent episode about how when he started out, there was actually an ad agency sort of guy that was his guy in Minneapolis because there weren't really, there wasn't like the infrastructure for the music business in Minneapolis. And so mm-hmm. to, to get somebody to sort of manage him, the guy that was managing him was like a guy <laughs> that worked at an ad agency, which, which is just so <laughs> such an interesting thing being coming from marketing and ad agency sort of environments in my past too. It's like, I, I just, I can see that there, we all worked with that one guy who was like, I've got this idea. I'm going to manage artists. And you're like, really? Is that, is that what you're going to do? I, so uh, it, I know that you worked with his creative team. Were, were you ever, were there ever meetings where all of a sudden Prince shows up and starts pointing at stuff when even to get considered for the opportunity he needed to come and see our place and again oh. it's three guys who you know owned a 4,000 square foot you know production facility that we just pretty much put together you know ourselves and engineered ourselves um, which we were really proud of but all of a sudden on a Sunday morning when you know we're there waiting for him to show up we have, you know, two massive security guards that pull up uh, and come out of their vehicle. And again, our place is in Eden Prairie, which is very much, uh, you know, just a corporate center of all kinds of mm-hmm. buildings. So we're one of these small buildings that, you know, these guys walk in, kind of walk through our space, they leave. Um, so we're not sure, like, does that mean good, bad? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, um, 10, 15 minutes later, uh, again, Sunday morning, yellow BMW sh- drives up to the front of the building. Um, Prince gets out and he's got, um, you know, his his kind of yellow ready to do a concert kind of look. You know, wow. he's just always so um, looks so amazing. So he walks out um, in that kind of, you know, presentation comes into our building and uh, and check things out. And and not long after we were actually you know, starting to work on things. And, but just that moment of like his presence in the building, like I only saw him briefly during that period of time on that Sunday morning, but you could just tell there was some, you know, there's something else in this presence or, you know, this kind of spirit in the building that was just different. 
And I think I had mentioned this to somebody recently too, is that's kind of what it felt like when he was working at our place. Like you have big clients or other people involved in, in projects and you know, it's, you know, that's kind of a cool vibe for the day, but I think you always understood when his presence was there. And I think, you know, that, I think the thing years later is really what we still have. Like we, you can still, like when I talk about it, I can feel that and I can feel that that um that spirit or that motivation of it and it's pretty yeah it's pretty special i love this idea that he had to come see the space like i i, I don't I, it just i don't know why i just feel like it's exactly what i want to hear when you when you tell me a story about prince is that he was like you know what i want to give back to the neighborhood i want to use a company that's close but i gotta walk through their their space like what, what's he gonna gain from that but I, it, hey it, it's it's all good so you know, you you mentioned earlier about working on some different projects for him and and in different capacities and that sort of stuff. But so when you took on this project for this symbol, you didn't know what he was going to do with this symbol, right? No. In fact, one of one of the art directors that worked with Satera specifically, um, her and I were involved in. You know, she had started some sketches on things, and Satera had done sketches on things, and as you know, there's been this, there's been a symbol kind of in the legacy of Prince all the way back since, you know, 1999 and the, and that album. And, and, and I think there's, you know, years later now, Satara had, when, when Prince's had passed, we had gotten together and kind of gone through a bunch of the archives that she had and some other things for a people magazine article. And it was interesting because she was showing the full legacy of the, of the symbol over that period of time until, mm. <clears throat> excuse me, until it was actually um, the one that, that we had finalized. Um, I should share that with you too, because it's really great to see how that evolved over that yeah. time. And I think it's just, it, it was one of those things that just got folded into all the other stuff that we were r- kind of racing through. So yeah, we didn't really know exactly what the purpose of it was, but I think, you know, <clears throat> within that first year and kind of understanding how it complicated a lot of things for the record company and, and, and so many small things. So like, there's no font for that. Like there's, there's no way for record. I mean, we're not talking about present day where everybody's used to, you know, cranking things out and designing stuff out on Mac there, there wasn't any way for this stuff to get printed. There's no way to get it on a record. Like it was, it was a big deal. So, you know, that, that we got understanding of at that point in time as being something that was, um, there was definitely a little more purpose to it, but no idea that it was going to be more than, you know, it, it, it became, which, you know, I think in my mind and talking to a lot of other people in design, it, it feels like it, it's going to be one of those things that maybe stands the test of time in the way the Forever. peace symbol yeah. or other things that are, yeah. you know, show a lot of, you know, positive support and love. Dude. So Warner brothers had to, had to send out discs to journalists with your design on them so that they could write about him. I mean, I mean, that is like that alone. If you never do anything else in your career, it's so funny that you started with this idea of like, I, there was a lot of pressure in my career because I started at this point. Right. I I did think that I'm like, you're not, there's probably never going to happen again where a record, a major corporation is going to have to take something you did and like, like force people to use it and create something so that they can, um, which is just really, really wacky. But describe, for me like the feeling of if my buddy was here who does who does the show uh with me most of the time he's a huge prince guy and he likes to we talk i mean a few weeks ago i don't even know why we were talking about the super bowl performance but we were talking about the prince super bowl performance Uh, i i just i have to ask on his behalf 
what was that like turning on the Super Bowl and seeing <laughs> and seeing this thing you've created? Well, actually, you know, and you'll appreciate this because I think we're all in this scenario of like you know, our parents or nobody else has any idea what we do, you know, and they <laughs> right. and they they never really thought we were gonna, you know, especially looking down a career of art or music or anything. Yeah, else. yeah. This is, but um, honestly, the most amazing thing is my my niece had seen it who at the time I'm guessing she was probably in, in her teenage years had, um, you know, just contacted me and said, Hey, you know, what you did is on the Super Bowl, like right now. And <laughs> finally, like, I think it actually gave her kind of perspective of like, Oh, this is what uncle Mitch does. Right. And I think to me, that was probably more important than anything, because I just think it's, it's so hard to describe what we do in, in marketing and promotion and design for the type of advertising and, and stuff that we do. So I think that was, that was like a really awesome kind of personal moment, but I think like literally seeing that and, you know, by far the best Super Bowl performance ever, ever? Right. but, but, but I think what was cool is, is seeing that and, like the show will go on, right? Like he's out there in his heels, pouring rain, yep. like everybody's nervous as he's even going to stand up on stage and he's up out there, you know, with his dancers and with his, his team, just, just storming out there, right. you know, it's right. just, it was amazing. So I just, I think on so many levels, it was just such a incredible performance. It was amazing to see that, but I think it was just like kind of understanding is like, wow, this is like, he just has, he's going to have such an effect on people, not just today, but going forward, you know, everybody, there's always this mystery about him, but I think that's like the true big commercial part of anything in my mind that he's done that, you know, people who had no idea who he was or knew, had no idea about his music. Like all of a sudden they had like a visual of the symbol and they had him. And like, those things are, you know, those things are always going to live on. So. so the symbol itself, as you mentioned, was sort of an evolution of an earlier things that they yeah. had done with him. But when they got to you and when you were really having meetings about it, like talk a little bit about some of the elements that, that you threw in, because people always talk about the male and the female coming together, but I know that there's more than that. Yeah. And there's, um, and actually when we, where we kind of broke that down is, uh, is that there were things like, you know, his birth, his birthday in there. Um, there was also the, the idea of the, reverse of the seven was actually kind of part of the symbol as well. Kind of the, the, it, and it definitely is a mash of the male female symbology, but there's also things with um, the eye and a bunch of other things right. in, in different, you know, Egyptian culture and, and Middle East culture that kind of uh, was an influence in there. And also I think, and this, this is probably the one thing, especially as a designer that is always hard to hear from people is they always kind of look at it and say, you know, like it just could be so much more refined, right? Like it could be, <laughs> you know, these circles aren't quite like, and, and the shape of this just doesn't feel perfectly symmetrical, like all of those kind of things. And I think that's, what's great about the symbol is like, he wanted the humanity in it, right? Like it's not, it's not supposed to be, it, it wasn't supposed to be perfect. And it was supposed to be except like in my mind, it's, it's more accepting of uh, and inclusive of everyone because it does feel a little imperfect and it does, things aren't, you know, in that kind of, you know, design style that 
a lot of times I have to work in where all that symmetry and everything is super tight. It was really, there was more personal quality to it. So I don't know if you noticed that, but I notice it all the time and everybody always brings it up to me. <laughs> well, it, it's one of those things that if you know anything about Prince, you know that everything he did was thought out. And so he wouldn't yeah. have, he wouldn't have signed off on something unless he had a reason for it and wanted it to be that way. So I think at a certain point it's the, it's the trust, right? Like I, I hadn't really thought about that, but now that I think about the the symbol and even some of the iconography that he used in other places, like there is yeah. sort of that roughness mm-hmm. to it, which yeah. all, all makes total sense. And I, and I, you know, here's one thing I wanted to ask you. I ran across a book when I was Christmas shopping for my <laughs> nephew. That was a book of, it was a children's book about Prince, right? And like my, my nephew's a toddler. And I was like, oh, it was really interesting. And I I had been in the middle of working on this episode already. So I pick it up and I'm flipping through it. And there is a page in this book about him changing his name to the symbol, which, first of all, is a hilarious thing to put in a children's book. Because, like, wait, they're not going to (laughs) understand that at all. Um, But they in in this book, the whole thrust of the book was basically that Prince was this godfather for, I mean, essentially like LGBTQ uh, culture. And so it very succinctly and quickly just sort of said he did this because he is he was showing that you can be whatever you want and whoever you want and male and female go together. And it just minimized it down to that, which I thought was I get what they were doing in the book, but also yeah. a gross misrepresentation of what was actually happening, what Prince was actually <laughs> trying to do. Right. I mean, for, from a functional standpoint with his record label and also. I mean, talking to you, like there were like seven other elements that went into this thing. But did 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 that feel like a part of it when you guys designed it that you were you, this male female mashing was a big part of the what you were trying to get across? I would say yes, and I think some of what you're talking about. And again, we can't get into somebody's mind, obviously, but <laughs> I think you know. I, I think what's great about it is you know, that those were always important things and part of the genesis of it becoming this symbol. And I think, you know, look at what he did with his band and how many bands have as much of a male-female mix as Prince's groups and how many all-female all bands was he backed up by in that kind of form and how many of those artists, um, uh, especially Black artists, did he give an opportunity? I mean, Carmen Electra was a dancer. Yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> You're and right. he, he actually got her a start as well as, um, you know, an artistic um, singing star too. But yeah, he like, produced that you know, record, right? Around the same time. I yeah, think that exactly. was in 93. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I think, you know, what's interesting is I think he was always, he was so far ahead of that curve. Yeah. And I think always more supportive. And I really do think there's a, there's an inclusive part of um, all of those parts of our community that he that people rally around when they when they talk about it and when they talk about him and and even i mean you know when i one of my first albums i heard of his was dirty mind and you know when i was listening to that with my brother and my parents present at his apartment (laughs) you know they're they're asking like what are you having him listen to because you know the the album cover itself is just controversial and nobody dressed like that at the time. Nobody did it with as much confidence and grace as he did. So I think that was always part of his, not only his DNA, but I think he always kind of projected this sense of um, inclusivity and, you know, be yourself and be your greatest. And I think, you know, I, that's where I'd like to also 
you know, um, kind of see it in the future because that's, I think, the power of, you know, symbol and music and everything else. That's his legacy. One thing that I read said, you know, as much credit as we give him musically and the acumen that he had around that, he had that same amount of business acumen, you know, and there's just, oh, yeah. there's not a lot of people who have both of those things. And for him to be able to take this idea of, you know, be who you want to be and then see it all the way through, both in the way that he performed music, but also in the way that he created that experience for people is, gee, I mean, it's phenomenal. I don't know. I don't know that we'll ever see anybody do it as masterfully as he was able to do it. When I think to uh, another friend of mine who actually was the designer for all of his web and doing all of Prince's streaming and stuff online, like, you know, he was streaming before people even knew what that before was. Before they knew like, what it was. Crashing, yeah, he was crashing servers, you know, all the time because of trying to get all this music out. And I think that's what's really interesting is that he was on that you know, curve way ahead of everybody else. And, and for the most part, just because he wanted to get the music out there, you know, and, you know, his releasing of that was consistent where, you know, the record company had a really specific plan for him. And at least from what we understood, like his real, you know, his real passion was to get stuff out there all the time because he was so prolific in the number of songs he had available and the kind of things he wanted to get out and just wanted to get it out to his fans. Like it wasn't, it wasn't the money thing, you know? So it right. was really about, all of it was just the passion of what he loved to do and what he loved to create. To me, one of the things that ends up coming up as far as that work ethic too, is I think it's really, you know, his work ethic to get that music out there and also to work hard is like, I think you get kind of two sides from that to people where he's just, you know, it's kind of the the artist who works all hours of the night and and is just, you know, um, nonstop. And I think there is a sense of that to him, but it's also the thing that's, that was inspiring about that process is it's just like, you're always iterating, you're always creating. Um, and I think that's another thing that is part of that, you know, that Prince legacy that as alumni, you just, you have that inbred in you. So yeah, you've said that several times. You feel like one of the things you really took away from this experience was seeing how he embodied the work and how it was so much yeah. more than just yep. work for him. And I think hearing you talk about it, and even when you look, right, it's like there's no way he could have done the stuff he did unless this was just what he did, right? It wasn't yeah. like uh, there weren't office yeah. hours. It was just sort of <laughs> who he was and how he was always thinking about everything. Yeah, well, I think it, and and again, everybody has their work-life balance kind of, <laughs> you know, uh, myth in their head. But I think what, what I learned at the time and I think our partners learned at the time is that there isn't, it, it's not a work-life balance is like it's it that's kind of a myth and that was kind of a myth to all of us at the time it's really about like finding that balance of like bring your passion to every part of your right. life and for if it's music if it's design it's whatever is like that that should infuse your whole life and how you you know your perspective on it and there is kind of this blurring of those things you know even your your friendships your relationships kind of you know, center around some of that at time, but it's also, it's, it, it's something that is enriches every part of your life, you know, and I think, and, and it's not a black and white, I leave this to go do this. It's not, um, you know, it's not that same kind of a process. And I think we definitely learned that from doing that type of work. And, and I think the way we approach work after that. Yeah. So we can end here. What is your favorite Prince song? Can you narrow it down to one or do you have to pick an album? You know, it's, it's really interesting. My, 
my favorite is Purple Rain and for like so many reasons. Sure. But to your earlier point is like all time favorite now after seeing the Super Bowl, like when he's singing Purple Rain and it's raining and it's the, the crowd's going crazy is like how, I mean, I get, I get chills just thinking about it now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's uh that's an amazing thing. But, but I think, you know, going way back though, when I was talking about the dirty mind album is like, that's still one of my favorite tracks as well, because it was my first introduction to Prince and to have my brother explain like Prince's difficult background and kind of, you know um, you know, he was just, you know, he was, always a big research researcher kind of like you were so like all this information he was giving me about like I kind of thought of him at the time like kind of like Michael Jackson like yeah. this guy just like how did he actually get to this point at at such a young age um so I think the probably dirty mind and and uh, purple rain are my what did your brother think of you if he introduced you to Prince how was that phone call when you got to tell your brother that you were going to work for Prince? <laughs> you know, actually, I don't know. You know, I, I think I, I think that's also what I like about our business is like it's not it's not family conversation. Like we don't <laughs> we aren't going to Christmas dinner and talking about. You're not. Like, if I was yeah. designing stuff for Prince, I would be bringing it up at Christmas dinner, man. It wasn't like you, you know, did this early, right? You were this is '93, so people know what's up with with who yeah. Prince is, and you know he's had that that run that hot yeah. streak in the '80s. Yeah, but I should actually bring up a really good point because I. I, I should bring that up to my brother as far as like that connection, because I probably really didn't. I don't think I thought of it that way as far as listen, like older what, brothers are the key the, the older brothers <laughs> are the key Be, and older yeah. siblings in general, though. I had an older sister and all she showed me was Celine Dion in like Chicago, which is not, <laughs> like like 80s, early 80s Chicago. Like I didn't know there was a 70s version of Chicago for a long time because of her. I just yeah, thought yeah, it started yeah. with you're the inspiration. But, you know. Uh, older brothers who can unlock those doors. That's, that's life-changing stuff. Man. No, actually. Yeah. You're really good. And he was, I mean, he's got the record collection of, of any collecting star that you've ever imagined. Like it's just, he's always been in music. He's also a musician. And I think he got me involved in a lot of music and Beatles and everything else that I would not have experienced at such a young age. And, um, and I think actually at the time that's, that was the other interesting thing. I, I knew most of Prince's music. I, you know, I was really familiar with it, really passionate about it. And I think, and I'm sure that came across in kind of our process too, because they really, uh, Satira and her team really enjoyed working with us. But I think it's also because a lot of, you know, a lot of our staff and stuff had background in music. They weren't just design and editorial and live action people. So, but I'm glad I brought that up. I'll have to, I'll, I'll make sure to tell my brother. Yeah, man. <laughs> Tis the season. Take him aside and be like, listen, man, I appreciate but, but I think, you. you know, but but I, I do think like you is like, you know, it's really Mariah Carey hanging out with her family talking about her latest track. I, probably I, not. I don't know. You know maybe. But, <laughs> maybe. But I think it's, but I think that keeps, you know, that's, that's good. Like you need that balance. You know, keeps you grounded. You yeah. It's just like working in the movies industry is you don't need to be reminded of that. But I think to the point of what we're talking about today is something like the symbol when somebody finds out that you have, you know, a connection to that or somebody shared with them and that becomes a discussion. You know, it's 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 always like, again, you feel that spirit again and you feel that excitement every time you get a chance to even answer a question about it. So I think I'm always open to that, but it's. Uh, but it's interesting how much of a light it 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 brings out in other people, um, because sure. I think again his his music crosses over into 
you know, so many things and so many people that would normally not listen to um, one of his tracks. Do you have a website or anything where people can check out your your current work or other things you have going on? Um, actually, well, the, the company I work for uh, is Murata in Hollywood, which was originally founded by um, Guillermo del Toro and Matthew Cullen. And so there's a really interesting legacy of work there. And and that is uh, Murata.com for my personal site. I have a portfolio of some of my work. Um, I think that I also shared with you um, on Behance. All right. We'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Mitch. Have a fantastic holiday. Great to talk to you. You as well. Thanks so much. Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is a Story Guys production. The show is produced and edited by Brian Eichenberger. Get more stories, hear more podcasts, and book the guys for your conference or house party at wearethestoryguys.com. Copyright Boy Have We Got Stories Productions. All rights reserved.